Welcome to Quarantine Creatives. I'm Heath Rosella. Here we are in the midst of a, uh, I don't know if it's a coup or I don't know if it's uh, just a botched fundraising effort or exactly what's going on, but that elation I was feeling on Monday's a little bit gone. Oh well, who knows? Another two months. We'll hang on. We'll figure it out. How's everybody doing out there? Leah Belfazer is my guest today. If you heard Monday's show, you know that I talked to this amazing kid, Joshua Turchin, who is super talented at age 14. He wrote his own musical and all sorts of fun stuff. Well, I thought it would be fun to talk to another talented teen today. Leah is 16 years old, and she is a country singer and a country songwriter. And she has a great new album out called Crossing Hermes Bridge. It just came out last month. And it is really, really good. I was really blown away with it. And it's really impressive to me because Leah wrote all the music that you hear on the album. And we talked a lot about her process today, which I was really interested in. You know, as a 16-year-old, often you don't have a lot of life experience. And she readily admits to that. But she was able to draw from a lot of places and come up with some really powerful, moving songs. And uh, they've got a great energy to them. You know, if you're a country music fan, keep your eye on Leah, because I have a feeling she's going to be going places. And there's something interesting, too, for me, I guess, both with Joshua and with Leah, in talking to teenagers, in that I do recognize parts of myself in both of them. If you've been listening to the show for any length of time, you probably know I was a TV producer, For a long time professionally, I did that for about 15 years, produced, directed, the whole thing. But prior to that, growing up, I was somebody that tried to chart my own course too. When I was growing up in suburban Ohio, there were not TV courses in my high school. There wasn't a TV studio or, you know, high school news channel, any of that kind of stuff. And so my friends and I just had this urge to get our message out there, to experiment with video, to try things. And so at, I don't know, 14, 15 years old, something like that, uh, my friends and I launched a public access TV show that aired on cable throughout Northeast Ohio. And it was a blast. We did 32 episodes of that and uh, mostly just, you know, goofing around and kind of sketch comedy and nothing I would want to exhibit now or, you know, show off to anybody. But it was a great learning experience. I definitely relate to a lot of what Leah's going through. She's obviously kicked it up, you know, 10 more notches than I ever had at 16, where she's really doing professional recordings in a recording studio and putting out albums. And, you know, it's it's the real deal. But there is something about just being really driven at a young age, being really passionate uh, that I relate to. So I had a great time talking to Leah. Check out her album, Crossing Hermes Bridge. And before we get to the interview, I'm going to play a little sample from the first single off that album. It's called Better Than Mine. Here it is, Leah Belfazer. I'm standing here at the corner of 3rd and Lindsay. And I'm staring out at a bar that used to be our place. Through the window I see Final fight 
I want to dive into your album. I'm really excited by, you know, the songs you've written and all. But I want to start by uh, just asking a general question, and that's how your quarantine has been going. Well, at the beginning of quarantine, say about March, I was sort of perfecting and finishing and, you know, making the final little rewrites to the songs that were going to go on the album. And I recorded the album in May. It was originally supposed to be recorded in April, but it got pushed back because things were shut down. And so just as things started to open back up in Nashville, um, I went up to the Insanery with Casey Wood. And that was, it was a really interesting experience recording with, you know, COVID and everything. We had a lot of social distancing rules. Everybody wore masks. You know, the only time I didn't wear a mask was in, when I was in the vocal booth yeah. and I was all alone. But it was really cool to see how you can still make music even in, in trying times. Right. Even though there wasn't that kind of, you know, in a recording session and you, you sit down and you chat a lot about things, it was still really cool. And I had a really fun time. And as far as I know, well, I do know nobody got sick and it was kind of like a, a litmus test just to see if people could go back and these musicians could go back. It was everybody's first session back. So it went off without a hitch and it was super fun. And then once I had recorded the album, I had a lot of gigs lined up for the summer that got scrapped just because, you know, nobody was outperforming live and things right. were shut down still. So I really focused on enhancing my writing and enhancing my guitar skills. And I had a lot of time for that, which was really good. Um, even though, you know, coronavirus is horrible and it's been horrible for so many families and so many people on the bright side, I had a lot of extra time to work on things and really try to study songwriting and get really more into it. The things that I probably wouldn't have had as much time to do if I wasn't on lockdown and I wasn't in my house just alone every day so right. well, with my family. Yeah, right. Well, that's wild too. Just, you know, thinking about recording a record in May, like that was, I mean, like you said, it was the first session back, but that was like a lot of the country was still shut down at that point. Like, did, did you guys have any sort of apprehensions going into recording that early? Or like, did you feel like you had figured out sort of the safe protocols and all? I mean, everybody, the reason why we had to make it so safe and Casey Wood, the producer, had put in, you know, restrictions and what we could and what we couldn't do. And we didn't have anyone extra in the session, you know, people coming in to talk and things like that. So with the masks and with the social distancing, there's always kind of a questioning like, well, is this going to work? Is it not going to work? Is somebody going to get sick? But we had a lot of you know, protocols and a lot of things that would have protected us from getting sick. So I think everybody was a bit anxious, but excited. Yeah, and nice. since it, it did go off well, they were confident in doing recording sessions after that. That's great. Which is cool, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, this is a full album. You get, you know, seven or eight tracks on it. Like, was this sort of your first experience recording in a big studio like that in Nashville? I had recorded three songs the year before, but I, this is the first time I had recorded a full seven songs. And so over the course of a few days and a, a few sessions, we finished it. But it was awesome. It's always really cool 
getting to see songs come to life. And it's a very special moment being in the studio anywhere. Right. Just because when you write a song, you're just on your guitar and it, it sounds so bare. And then you get in the studio and, you know, I was in the vocal booth and they were like, OK, just sing through the songs. And I have these amazingly talented musicians surrounding me and so once you you know they start playing the song and they start really getting into it and they got it on like the first try and it's it's such a magical moment yeah. because it's like this is not just a song but it's a song you right. know like, yeah it sounds completely it, different right exactly and so that's just it's a really awesome feeling but yeah i i recorded a couple songs the year before so I had been in the studio, but but this one was really cool because I put a lot of work into these songs and I put my heart and soul into them. And so to hear them, you know, finished and to hear them spiced up with all the awesome instrumental, you know, it was it was pretty cool. Yeah, that, that's got to be an awesome feeling. I wonder, too, like you're talking about just, you know, writing alone with your guitar and stuff and like how much of it as the songwriter are you coming into that session with just, you know, are you just coming in, I guess, with like guitar chords and the lyrics, or do you sort of know, you know, I want a bass line that does this, or I'm imagining this for the drums or, you know, the keys or like whatever it is, like mm -hmm. how much, I guess, are you bringing to the table and how much of the other musicians you're working with sort of listening to what you have on the guitar and then saying, oh, I can imagine my part being something like this. When I write a song, I can always feel if it's, you know, going to be a super mellow, chill song or if it's going to be like an anthem. Yep. And I can hear it when I'm writing and I can hear some some instruments in the background and kind of what I want as far as tempo wise and feeling wise. Because when you're writing lyrics, the lyrics really have to correspond with the melody and they have to go together. And so when you're writing a really powerful lyric, you want a really powerful moving melody to go with it. And a really that comes with having an instrumental backing track that caters to that as well. And so they all kind of go together. But my brother is a pianist and he knows a lot about instruments and what sounds good and what doesn't and what would sound good with piano and keys. So he sometimes helps me out with that to feel out the vibe of the song. And he's very talented. So I'm I'm blessed to have the, him as well before I go into sessions. And he also, he sings backup on three of the songs off of my album. Oh, cool. So, yeah. What's uh, you you both clearly have uh, have music kind of in your blood. I'm curious, sort of your family makeup, I guess. Like, did you grow up or your parents musicians? Did you sort of grow up around it or what was it that, you know, turned you both onto it initially? Well, my parents aren't musicians themselves, but they've always surrounded us with very good music and very good old music. Uh -huh. And they've always taught us to appreciate music. Um, my parents do sing, though. My mom's a wonderful singer, and so is my dad. So I'm assuming that's where we got the singing gene. We've always listened to older music, and my parents grew up listening to new wave 80s and so I've always really liked that kind of music and my brother he got really into musical theater he's now on a musical theater track at the University of Michigan but I started out he would play piano and I would sing and we when I first started performing we would perform together at coffee shops and at little festivals it just kind of kind of grew from there even though our paths diverged and he chose to go into the musical theater lane and I chose to do 
commercial music, we still love to work together to this day. And so as a family, we just love music and we love surrounding ourselves with music and we love going to musicals. I love musicals so much and I have a big appreciation for musical theater. And I actually listened to your um, episode with Josh Turchin. Oh, yeah, sure. Yesterday. Yeah, he's great. I actually have kind of a connection to him. My mom's friend's daughter was in the or is in the play that he wrote. Oh, cool. Wow. What a small world. That's so funny. (laughs) So that's really cool. But speaking of that, I, I remember him talking about being in the in-between age, which I thought was really interesting because I remember when I first started writing like very seriously, it was about his age. And one of the main reasons I started writing was because I couldn't sing these cover songs that had a lot of adult lyrics and adult themes, mm. but I was also didn't want to sing the little baby songs, you know? Right. So I started writing my own music because of that. So I thought that was very interesting. Yeah, no, for sure. And, uh, you know, I, I guess I'm still unclear though, like the, the leap from like listening to music and having your parents appreciate it to actually like your, your brother sitting down at the piano or, or you sitting down with the guitar and, and a sheet of paper and saying, you know, I'm going to be a songwriter. Like yeah. that's a leap that I feel like is, is hard for a lot of people to make. And I guess I just wonder, you know, where that comes from in you. Like, what was that desire beyond just, I can't, uh, I can't sing these cover songs. <laughs> like, yeah. w- was there something more complex to it or, or was that really just like, I guess I'll write my own tune then. <laughs> well, there's always, you know, a few things that play into that, but I've been singing for as long as I can remember for my whole life. Uh I think my first memory of creating music was during my initial guitar lessons. And I've always been attracted to creating new melodies and little songs that I would, you know, make up when I was seven during these guitar lessons. And my guitar teacher always wanted me to go off the songs in the curriculum that he he was teaching but I was always like no 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 I've got my own tune to play so and they weren't good you know they were just songs about meeting a lover boy in a coffee shop you know so (laughs) mysterious (laughs) typical seven-year-old stuff exactly exactly (laughs) Barbie dream house you know whatever goes with that but I've always been attracted to melody and just creating my own melodies and little lyrics I would create but I started to get really serious into it when um, one of my vocal coaches suggested that maybe you should start writing songs more disciplined. And I, I was super open to that idea because I loved writing and I've always loved writing, but I didn't know if people would necessarily like the songs I wrote yeah. or take to them. And so there's always kind of that leap of faith that you have to take in trusting yourself and being proud of the things that you know, you're putting out there. And so I've just been songwriting ever since. And I started really getting into it and studying it and listening to story songs and just working on it. And I, you know, my love for it grows every right. time I write a song. It, it's so interesting hearing you talk about that because it reminds me of a couple of things for me being a kid. And like, for me, I was always a kid who wanted to be in TV. That was just sort of my goal. And, you know, I, I figured out at a young age, like, how to make videos and, you know, playing around with a video camera back then we didn't have iPhones and stuff. So it was like, you know, <laughs> camcorders and, and figuring out how to edit for myself and things like that. But I know the feeling certainly of 
being told like you've got to stay on this path you got to follow the curriculum you know like you were saying with your guitar teacher yeah. of like you know and and thank god you didn't like and you just sort of <laughs> followed that voice inside you that said no i I've, i want to do it this way you know that that's really awesome but then the other piece i guess i'm wondering is like i know for me there was something and i feel like when you're when you're younger when you're you know 8 9 10 years old whatever it is like you absorb information differently and you don't necessarily need to be taught the formal rules of something that maybe when you're, you know, if you went to college, let's say for songwriting, they might say, okay, you know, you want to have an ABA structure or, you know, whatever it is, it would be very technical. Like, I wonder if you ever went through training like that and sort of figured out what are the actual technical things that make a good song, or if it was just sort of, you know, that, that supernatural thing that happens when you're a little kid that like you've heard enough music and you just sort of are able to imitate it enough to, to figure out a rhyme structure and, you know, a verse chorus structure and things like that. I never knew it right off the bat. And there was a lot of studying that I had to do and a lot of studying other songs. You know, I really, when you're young, and you're really creative and you've got that kind of, you're just putting stuff out and you're like, oh, this is amazing. And then you go and you're like, wait, this does not have the right rhyme scheme. It's kind of all over the place. Like if I were to look back at a song I wrote when I was like, you know, 12 or something or 13, you know, I'd be like, well, maybe that's not the best. But the good thing is you can grow from that and you can study and you have the ability to do that. I spent some time with a veteran songwriter, Phil Barnhart, and he gave me two very good pieces of advice one being not every song is worth writing. Hmm. I, I think about that a lot when writing and that is it going to resonate with people and isn't an idea that is meaningful. Right. And I think that's really important to think about when writing. And then he gave me another piece of advice, which was observe the things around you. And, you know, to me, that means I only have so much experience as a 16 year old songwriter right. and I can only write about myself you know, in so many songs. So, You're talking about like life experience, not yes. not actual writing experience, but just... No, right, right, right. Yeah. Life experience. He taught me to look at the world around me and look at other people and what they're going through and listen to the booth behind you and mm. watch other people. And so I thought that was great advice. And I, I use that to this day in my songs. But he also gave me great knowledge about rhyme schemes and syllable count and things like that. And what makes a song and what's behind a song and not something, you know, that you just put out there. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, the the music on this new album, it definitely has a, a maturity to it. And you feel very established, if that makes sense. Like it doesn't feel like yeah. a first record from it. You're like sixteen. Thank you. Right? <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah, like it, it. It has a it has a power to it and an energy to it that just kind of it hooked me at least right away. Just like, ooh, what is this? And you know, I, I I'm curious too. Talking about like life experience and stuff. One of the songs that really stood out to me was the song "Back Home," which mm-hmm. you know sort of tells this story. Uh, about leaving your small town and going to like a big city job. And, you know, it's about commuting on the train and going into the office and all this, which obviously I think is is kind of outside of your uh, (laughs) life experience. But as I was thinking about it, it also reminded me of sort of the age you're at now and, and what that experience was like for me of like that feeling of how far from home do I want to venture? You know, again, for me, like thinking of TV and stuff, 
there wasn't a lot of TV in suburban Cleveland, Ohio, where I was growing up. And so like, mm-hmm. I had to figure out, you know, is it going to be New York or LA or I ended up in Boston. But I wonder for you if that like, there, there's this kind of obvious story of like, getting stuck in a job you don't love. But there's this and, and missing being back in your old small town. But I feel mm-hmm. like there's kind of this, this undercurrent theme of like, almost you haven't left yet and like do you want to leave could could you be giving up these things exactly I mean you kind of hit it right on the dot it's when I was little I used to have these these big dreams of growing up and I would live in the big city and I would live in a high rise and have a you know this awesome job and things like that far away from home you know and I'd live in the hustle and bustle and now that I've grown older you know, at the ripe old age of 16. <laughs> but um, no, now that I've grown up, I've, I've kind of found out that that might not be the destiny that I want. Yeah. And I love the ties to my family and I love my hometown and I love the corner store. And I, I love that the, the lady at the drugstore, she knows, you know, the items about I buy. I just, I like that. So I'm still sort of, in that kind of debate on whether that's a dream that I would want to pursue. And so that's kind of where this song spawned from um, was that feeling and that wondering. There's another kind of internal debate in that song too, as you're talking about it of the big city life that you're describing to me anyways, in the song is not one that I imagine you could be living, you know, four or five years from now, which is, you know, being up on a stage at, you know, a nightclub or an arena or, you know, whatever, and, and playing music but it's more kind of stuck in a cubicle as, you know, I don't know, an accountant or, you know, some yeah. sort of like Excel spreadsheet type job, which, yeah. you know, I, I don't see that in your future at all. But I wonder, like, it, it almost feels like it's playing on that tension, too, of like, do I go the safe route and know that I can pay my bills and have health insurance or do I pursue a creative path? Yeah, I, absolutely. I think that my fashion is also my home and uh-huh. it's something that I find comfort in is writing songs and performing and it's something that I love just like I love my family and I love my friends I love what I do and so I think that is my home as well um, and I wouldn't want to stray from that and so that's definitely another idea that plays into the song as well yeah the other song that really stood out to me uh, kind of the first single off it I guess is is better than mine uh, which is it's a pretty raw song about a, a tough breakup. And I, I'm wondering if you'll kind of talk about what was going through your head in, in writing that song as well. I was always taught to end relationships with grace. And if you're going to break up with someone, make sure that they don't go away super angry or feeling vengeful or anything like that. And this story was about when you do that and the other person goes out the next night, you know, with someone else. And even though, you were feeling like the relationship was coming to an end. It still meant a lot to you. And so it's disappointing to see when it doesn't mean a lot to the other person. And that's what the song better than mine is, is about. It's about that feeling of disappointment. That song kind of the saying, I wish you the best. Do we really wish them to bet the best? You know, we, we sometimes expect a little bit of sadness to come with the breakup. Right. And when that sadness doesn't come, it's it's just as disappointing as the breakup. It also was interesting to me just thinking about that piece of it, I guess, of 
of watching the other person and feeling that remorse or feeling that like, how come they're okay? You know, just that like feeling like you did something wrong in it and, and hoping, I think going into it that you were going to feel like the bigger person and feel relieved from this. And now, right. and now you're kind of on the other side of it of, you know, <laughs> feeling the, de- the depression of it that you didn't expect. Yeah. It's like, what, what happened? I was the one who broke up with you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, that song also has a music video for it. And I wonder what that was like. This, this was like the first kind of really produced music video you made, right? Yes, it was. And, um, I recorded that music video or I filmed that music video with Linda Lopez and it was an awesome experience. I mean, like when you're little, I, I used to be super obsessed with Hannah Montana when I was little. Oh, sure. Um, (laughs) I was a big, I had like seven of the wigs and I would like (laughs) beg my mom every Christmas is like, you have to get me a new wig. But it was, you know, Hannah Montana does all these music videos and things. So being able to do that music video, it was really cool. It was awesome. Even though, it was about 105 degrees. Yeah. <laughs> it was at the beginning of August, and we filmed it in Deland, Florida, a little oh, wow. small town. And it was so hot, but it was super fun. Yeah. And it it was really cool because I got to kind of weave in some of the acting. When my brother used to do a lot of film and TV things, um, and so I had done a little bit of film and TV auditions and things like that. So I kind of got to take some of the experience from that and put it in to the music video, which was really cool and kind of portray how I really felt in the song through that music video. Yeah. Was it strange, like coming from a performing background though, of like being used to play live music and now you're kind of lip syncing to your own recording. (laughs) Like, was that, was that strange to get used to at all? It was something to something to get used to, for sure. But <laughs> the interesting thing is I sang that song about a thousand times. Uh-huh. And so with every take, we would just sing the song through. And I would be, you know, actually singing the song with the song with my guitar. So, you know, of course, the director loved that song after um, that she couldn't <laughs> get it out of her head for days. But, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely a different from performing but it's something that you get used to pretty pretty easily because you're just singing along to the song right that video it's been seen a lot on on your youtube channel it's something like is it like fifty thousand views is that right yes it is how does that feel just to know that people are are watching your video and and hearing your music like that must feel good after going through this whole process of, of writing and recording well, it's awesome. And it's very, very gratifying to see that people like the things that I'm putting out because there's always a risk when you're producing a record or putting anything out into the world. You're kind of a platform for hate and mm. love. Yep. And so it's it's awesome to see that people like my music and people like listening to it. And I put a lot of hard work into it. So it's very gratifying for sure. Yeah. That, that's got to be a really cool feeling. I wonder, too, just thinking of YouTube, like, I feel like there is a a belief in people your age, um, and, and this is from an older person interpreting it, so maybe I've got it way off, but, like, <laughs> that there's easy success and easy money and easy fame in trying to become, you know, an Instagram star or a TikToker or, you know, a YouTuber <laughs> or something. But I feel like your career path so far has been very conventional and, you know, like 
I wonder if that was a deliberate choice, I guess, to say, I want to write an album and fully instrument it and record it in a studio as opposed to just, you know, I could record 30 second loops with me and my guitar <laughs> and, you know, maybe get attention that way. Like, I, I, I guess I wonder, yeah, why, why go the more conventional route when there are all these other outlets available now? Yeah, um, I'm a person that really idolizes older artists. And I'm an old school girl. Uh-huh. Um, and so I love the the raw organic instrumentals and the feeling that that brings. Because there's a reason why people like listening to old music now. You know, me and my friends still listen to, to Fleetwood Mac and Kenny Loggins because it moves you in a way that music today sometimes doesn't. Yeah. I mean, there are a lot of amazing songwriters today and there are a lot of amazing there's a lot of amazing music that's out there right now. But I love a lot of older artists. And so I wanted to incorporate that style and that style of producing music into my music as well especially in country music country music has a lot of storytelling and in every song there's so much detail in the lines and that's something that i really i really i love the storytelling aspect of a country song and i also love the raw organic instrumentals that a country song brings to the table. Right. That's one of my favorite things. I think, as I said earlier, it's lyric melody. And then what's the instruments behind it? Because that really makes the song in my eyes. Yeah. But on the other hand, I also love the earworm hook of a pop song. So I, I try to blend all of those into my own music, but back to what, you know, you were saying, I just, I like a lot of older artists and I like the route that they go and social media it can be a blessing and a curse. You know, it's it's a great way to get social media is incredible and in that you can get your music out to so many people across the world, which is something that I really, you know, I really want to do. Um, so social media is a great platform for that. But it, it can also be a very, you know, big platform for hate as well. And being a teenager, there are a lot of people that don't like a certain genre of music and you know will hate on you for that or something like that and when you're typing through a screen obviously it's a lot easier to say something mean so social media can be good and bad but you know you always grow from the hate and you always take what they say and you incorporate that into whatever you're going to write and make it better so that's really cool too so there's a lot of different aspects to that but I definitely, the route I'm going is sort of more, I like the traditional. I like the old school. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned Fleetwood Mac because I'm a big Fleetwood Mac fan. And uh, I there were parts of this that I, I felt a very Stevie Nicks vibe, honestly. And, <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. And it was like, I was like, but it's country. But like partially in the storytelling piece of it, I think, and partially, you know, she does such a great job, I think, of of kind of weaving the storytelling in with just a very poppy hook that you're just like yes. oh like yeah i want to mm-hmm. listen to this song and I, I could feel that dna so it's it's interesting just to hear that they're an influence on you because it, it it's not obvious i guess by genre but sort of in writing style i i yeah. uh, i see that so um as you're talking about social media too i'm curious like if you've figured out a strategy i guess for uh figuring out how to deal with harassment or you know, negative comments or anything like it, it, it could be very easy to let those get to you and, and sort of 
eat away at your ego and stuff. And I, I feel like the more high profile you get, you're going to have to come up with some sort of strategy <laughs> to, to not let it, <laughs> to not read those comments or something like, ha- have you figured that piece out yet? Or are you still sort of at the stage where like, you're kind of reading everything that comes in and, you know, trying to figure out what to do with it? Yeah. Um, with social media, I mean, that's such a, first of all, social media is such a big hurdle in itself yeah. because it's not only, you know, you're producing the music, you're writing the music, you're putting it out there, but also now you have social media and you've got to cultivate your social media and cater to a new audience. So while there may be hate, there's also a lot of love that social media brings. And there's a lot of, you know, wonderfully nice comments that always keep me going. So it's a, it's a double-edged sword yeah. for sure. Yeah. Well, it sounds like that's, that's the way to deal with it is to think about the positive and yes. not focus <laughs> on the negative. Um, I want to know too, the title of the album, Crossing Hermes Bridge. Um, I, I read a little bit about it, but can you explain what Hermes Bridge is and why you chose to, to set your album cover there? Hermes Bridge is an old blue steel footbridge. Uh, it's right by my house, actually. And I used to cross it every day to go to the old, my old school, which is a very small school. And these songs were written in a transitional period where I was deciding to move schools and go to the school in my own neighborhood because at my old school it was kind of a an uphill battle of keeping up with the joneses that i just didn't want to fight anymore and even though i had a lot of lifelong friendships and there were a lot of wonderful teachers i was ready to take that step and so these songs were written in that deciding period gotcha how do you juggle school and music and writing, performing, <laughs> sort of all of those things. Like, you, you know, you still need to be a teenager, right? Yeah. It's taught me a lot of time management skills, I will say. I, you know, I don't find performing and writing and, you know, doing all the, the work that goes into music as a job almost. It's like a joy. Yeah. I love doing it. So it's fun for me. And so it's not like a something that... I find weighs me down. And so I learned to manage my time and, you know, get my schoolwork done and then music and practice and performing and everything like that. My friends know, I have very wonderful friends that know, you know, Friday and Saturday nights are usually gig nights, at least pre-COVID and starting up now. So they understand. And I still get to have a lot of wonderful experiences, but most importantly, I get to do what I love. And so I'm okay with balancing everything and sometimes having to sacrifice, you know, not going to that party or not going to that get together or not doing something to do something else with music. But I'm okay with that because it's my passion. So it's definitely, I've, I've learned how to block out time for each thing and make time. Yeah. Well, and I guess that's the key. Like, I feel like a lot of people, when they hear about a young artist, uh, you know, trying to, to figure out how to balance all this stuff, the thought goes immediately that it's that it's like a punishment. You know, it, it's punitive to have to sit there on a Friday night and, and not be out with your friends and, you know, writing a song. But the flip side of that is is the passion that you just described. And like, you know, I, I know that from my own feeling of like, yeah. this is the thing I want to do. Like, I, I've just got to get this out and, and get it out in the world. So. I hear you, but I, I imagine, you know, 
people, not everybody understands that, I guess. Right. And you know, it can, uh, yeah, yeah, it's a tough, that's true. Yeah. And that's another one of the things that just comes with doing this as a teenager is not everybody is going to understand, but sometimes I like to think about it as people have extracurricular activities and, you know, people play soccer and people play really serious sports in high school. And, I'm doing music, right. you know, it's, it's the thing I do. And so in that sense, it's, it's very understandable for a lot of my friends. And, um, but yeah, you do have to miss out on things, but then again, you get the joy from what you're doing, you know, that night instead right. of going to the other thing. Right. So it's super fun. I love playing and I love performing and it's, it's what I love to do most. So yeah. No, that's uh, that's awesome. I'm, I'm so glad to hear that. <laughs> I, I'm wondering too, like you were talking before about looking back on songs you wrote when you were like 12 and kind of being embarrassed by them and saying, you know, the structure is not great and you know the emotion behind it, whatever. I wonder why you chose now to to release an album and record it. Like, did you did you ever waffle on that? I guess was there ever a thought of you know maybe I'll wait till I'm 18 or 20 or have more life experience or you know, have 12 songs instead of seven songs. Like, what was it about this moment that you just said, I got to get in a studio and, and put these down on a recording? Well, I think that over the past two years, I've learned a lot more about songwriting and the art of songwriting. And I think that getting in the studio and especially putting material out now, which with social media and how competitive it can be, I think that you know, I was very confident in these songs. And if I hadn't been confident in the songs and I hadn't thought that these were ready or these aren't, you know, a representative of my abilities, I probably wouldn't have gone in the studio. But I, you know, I've studied songwriting and I've studied structure and I've studied old songs and I've studied storytelling. And I've come a long way in songwriting than I was when I was, say, 14. Yeah. Um, and so... I think that I was ready to go in the studio and I was ready to record these songs and put them out there and kind of show the world because a lot of songs these days, I value songwriting a lot. And um, a lot of the songs these days, it kind of depends on the genre, but you don't really hear that rich storytelling as much in um, like a big chart topping pop song. Right. Sometimes you do, but it really depends on genre. But I, I wanted to put that in my own music and I wanted to see if people would take to my music. And what, uh, what's the response that you found so far? I mean, I've had a really good response so far. I'm at a, an awkward stage in my career where it's the things that I do now are going to lead to bigger things. I'm kind of at a, I have to do, this I have to put this out on social media, even though it doesn't generate a ton, millions and millions of followers right now. I still do it because I know that these are the steps I'm going to have to take. So eventually, I can have that. Right. But for now, it's gotten a great response, and people people like the record, so I'm really happy about that. Yeah, there is a piece that I I, I definitely like. I could see social media not lighting up with this only because it doesn't have a gimmick. Like it's just kind of, it's just good storytelling music with a, with a great soul to it. And it's kind of funny. Like when I listen to the songs just on their own, I'm like, I, I really identify with this music. And then and I don't mean this as a slight at all, but like 
I find out that, you know, a 16-year-old young woman wrote them. And I'm like, hmm, like, do I identify with a teenager? Or, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's it's yeah. an interesting sort of place, I guess, where you are, where, like, I can imagine your peers might not. It, it's not like the latest kind of chart-topping pop single, if that yeah. makes sense. It's not, it's not necessarily a top 40 song. But, yeah. like, if you give it a chance and you listen to it, there's a lot of heart. There's a lot of depth. There's a lot of uh, of good storytelling going on, and that, that's harder for people to to find, I guess. Or it's you know they're less likely maybe to hit the share button than something that we were talking about before. You know, a, a TikTok yeah. or something that just like, oh, this is so funny, or this is so rad. You know, the guy's playing the yeah. guitar with his foot, or you know, whatever. Like something really gimmicky. Like it's just it's just good songwriting, and it'll Thank find you. a place. But you know, it's thank uh, you so much. Yeah. Um, looking ahead too, and trying to figure out sort of, you know, talking about that awkward phase of your career, like when you think ahead, you know, two years or five years, do you imagine sort of sticking this out? Are you in this for the long haul? Like, do you, do you want to be, you know, playing the Opry someday or, you know, something big <laughs> like that? Or, you know, is this, is this a fun hobby? And then, you know, you go and become a, a veterinarian or something. I don't know. <laughs> I heard from someone that, you know, if you don't have your heart in this, don't do it. Uh If it's not a long-term thing, don't do it because there's a lot of letdowns and there's a lot of criticism and there's a lot of things that you could be doing that is not this. So if your whole heart isn't in it, don't do it. And for me, my whole heart is in it. And it's something that I want to pursue for the rest of my life, especially what I was talking about with that awkward phase, it's just one thing always leads to another and it's a butterfly effect. And so I think that in five years, I'd love, love, love to be, you know, on tour. I have a, a big passion for performing and it's the one thing that I just love out of everything I love to perform. And so it would be awesome if I could be on tour and I could have found my audience that likes my original music, especially with this, this record. I'm, I'm just trying to find my audience and yeah. find people that take to the songs and find people that are able to insert their own messages into the songs or their own truths into the songs and people that appreciate the melodies and the storytelling. And so, like you said earlier, you know, what's, why would you produce a record now instead of like 18 I think it's it's to find that audience and it's to see if people will take to the music so that one day I can you know maybe fill in an arena or something like that (laughs) and um and people will be singing along to my original tunes that's that's my overall dream yeah no that's that's an awesome dream and you know I feel I feel in a similar spot with this and I don't know how much you know about me, but sort of, I was a TV producer for like 15 years and I I got laid off at the beginning of this coronavirus stuff and Mm -hmm. launched this podcast really as kind of a way to, to stay creative and network. And honestly, I never expected it to go this long. I think your episode like 53, maybe something like that. Yeah. Thank you. But like, it it is this weird feeling. I I know exactly what you're talking about of sort of like, you're putting your heart into something and, you know, slowly people are discovering it, but like very organically, it's, it's never exploding really. And there's just for me anyways, and it sounds like for you too, there's just this voice inside of me. That's like, there's this crazy dark cave in front of you that like, 
you don't know what's in it. You don't know what's on the other side. You don't know if there's going to be a bear that eats you or if it's going to be, you know, a tunnel that leads to like the prettiest place you've ever been. But yeah. there's just some voice inside of me that's like, just keep walking into that darkness and like yes. embrace that. And there's going to be something on the other side. And like, you know, it, it just, I guess it just speaks to passion really is sort of what we're both talking about of like, yeah. there's this light inside you that you just, you got to figure out how to get it out and you want as many people to see it as, as possible. Right. But you want them to see it on your terms too, I guess. Right. Like, yeah, yeah. You're not, you're not just, you know, singing cover songs or something like you got a great voice. I'm sure Thank you could you. be very successful just doing that, but you've decided I want to write this stuff. I've got stories inside of me. I want to share that with the world. I think that's awesome. Yeah. Thank you. And I mean, you're so right. It's that deep, dark cave that you don't know what it holds, but you're willing to go in because it could be one of two things. So yeah, I think you're exactly right in that. It's a great example. It's like that saying, you know, you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. Yeah. Or something. <laughs> <Right>. yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, totally. It's just like that. Um, but yeah, congrats. This is, that's awesome. And that's right. You know, you just got to keep going because it won't, you know, generate anything if you stop. Right. Yeah. Well, let's both keep going through this cave and hope neither of us gets eaten by a bear yes, <laughs> on the way <right>. through. <laughs> All right. There we go. Via Belfazer. What'd you think, huh? 16 years old. Pretty impressive. I had a great time talking to her. I was really interested in some of her songwriting advice there. And uh, just hearing about her process, it's different for every creative person. And that's what I love about doing this show, is I get to talk to really smart, really dedicated people all the time and learn from them. I've mentioned it before, but I now have a newsletter that's a companion to Quarantine Creatives. So if you'd like that in your inbox every Sunday, go to heathrasella.com. You can enter your email there, heathrasella.com. Sign up for the Quarantine Creatives newsletter. When uh, this issue comes out on Sunday, it will have a write-up about Leah, including links to her album, links to her music video, all that kind of stuff. So if you liked what you heard here and want to do some deeper diving, go check it out. All right, I have new shows every Monday and Thursday. I will be back with a new show on Monday. Thank you for listening, everybody. I'm at Heath Rosella on Twitter and Instagram. Have a great weekend. Stay safe.